out the Junior High Ministry Podcast at Mariner's Church. For this and more content, check us out online at marinerschurch.org slash jhm. I love Southern California, like the change of, uh, of when you wake up in the morning. When I used to wake up in the morning, I used to live in Huntington Beach, and I'd walk downtown, and I'd be able to look at the ocean, look at this beautiful rolling waves and sand. i do my Bible study out there. Now I wake up in Woodbridge, which is like killer. Anyone live in Woodbridge? I think I asked that like every other week. I love Woodbridge. And I wake up there and I'll just kind of walk around my neighborhood. And, and it's actually really nice trees. There's no palm trees in the area of Woodbridge I live in. But uh, I love just the trees and the beauty. Wake up in Iowa, it's like already. You wake up at like 6 a.m. and it's already 200 degrees out. So you're already melting. And then you look around and corn is surrounding you on every side. Like it was like I was on a, real, a bad reality show. I just couldn't get out. It was the worst. But I missed you guys very much. But listen, listen to the thing though. It made me realize how much, even me, how much change affects me, how unwilling I am to really commit to change. Now, you know, I know it's really small. It's a small example. I mean, Iowa, I mean, I'm not going to move to Iowa. I love living in California. Everything I love is here in California. But it started me thinking about this changing idea, especially in the lens of this lesson today, like this changing idea, and then with change comes choice. Now, I've had uh, to make a tons of choices in my life, and I've been watching the Olympics, okay? And imagine committing your life, imagine choosing a sport, and these people really commit their lives to these sports. Like, I was watching men's gymnastics yesterday. These guys are built like ox. They're gigantic arms. I'm like, oh my gosh. I wish I could look like that. It'd be so cool. But those guys started working out when they were like 13 years old, and like, it was totally nuts, and they're, it's just shocking. And these people, they do the swimming. Like, they've been swimming for years to get as good as they are. Like, they really committed themselves to this idea. Now, there's the thing. There's the thing. I can't, uh, I, I can't accept change like that sometimes. Like the idea of totally committing yourself. I sometimes have a problem with it. Now, this is what I've come to enjoy, though, about God's word. Uh, God's word gives you the idea of change, but he also gives you a choice alongside of it. Like there's no change that takes place in the Bible without the opportunity to choose and follow him. Like, like for instance, we've been going through this, this Dear God series and covering the Lord's Prayer. You know, I look at the Lord's Prayer, and, and we've been talking about it for a few weeks now. I view the Lord's Prayer like a battle cry. Like, I view it as, as, a, as a prayer to God for revolution, for real change to take place. That, that God has something that he wants to do in and through us. And we have the ability to be a part of this ongoing thing that he's doing. And for some of us, it's really shocking. And it's, it's hard, because some of us are going to sit there and hear that, and we're going to say, man, I, I feel like I've missed that. Like, I feel through this life that I've been living, this change that has occurred somewhere between me and God, like, I've missed that. Like, I don't have that, that spirit, that commitment, that fire burning inside me of revolution of what God's doing. Some of us are sitting here saying, man, I'm ready to get into the game. I'm ready to be a part of this. Like, if you're telling me the truth, if revolution's taking place, if God has this changing idea of how we're supposed to do life, I'm ready for it. Like, I'm ready to get into the game, I'm ready to be a part of it, and... It, there's, there's nothing worse than sitting on the bench, like in life. Like, I, I'm not a big bench sitter. Whenever I played sports, I never sat on, I hated sitting on the bench. Because especially when the, half the team's out there competing, and you're sitting there keeping a seat warm. Like, I, I, felt, I, I felt terrible. It was not not my thing. And I was watching the Olympics, and there was this guy. He came in fourth place in the cycling competition. Okay, do you know what medal the fourth place person gets in the Olympics? Nothing. He gets no medal at all. He gets nothing. And imagine, he, he said in the interview afterwards, it would be better for me to come in last place than come in fourth because you're so close to it. I mean, you're so close to ranking. I mean, you put your whole life toward this, and you're so close to what you feel could happen, 
and you just, you fall a little short. Now, with God, we tend to feel that way sometimes. We tend to feel like we're on the bench, like, you know, we don't have a voice. We couldn't, you know, affect change. Like this revolution, this thing God is doing, this change that's happening all around us that God's inviting us into, like, that's for someone else. That's maybe not for me. Like, and I don't know why junior hires feel that way sometimes. And I've talked to a lot of junior hires here where I used to live in New York, the church I used to work at. Even when I was in Iowa, we've talked a little bit about this. And I don't know what it is. Like, for some junior hires, it's either because they've been taught by someone that they're just too young to do it. Like, they say, like, oh, you know, you're too, wait till you're older, wait till you're an adult, then you can be a world changer, and, you know, I don't believe that. Like, I look at the scriptures, and that's where I base this off of. I don't believe that. Like, I look at what God's teaching, and he's telling me that this thing that he's doing, this revolution that he's unpacking, this change that is taking place in front of us, that it's something for us to be not just a little bit involved in, not just like a weekend thing that you come to church and you kind of take part in it here, but it's actually an ongoing lifestyle of change and choice that's taking place. You know, there's this, uh, there's the Lord's Prayer, and I want to read it through real quick together, uh, because every week we're going through it. I really want this to be, like, I, there's one thing I want you to learn, it's this prayer. Because Jesus said, when asked, he said that this prayer is how you pray. This, to him, was the most important way to pray. This was the example he gave to his disciples, the people who were listening, so kind of like a crowd like this who was listening, and he gave it to us, he gave it to me, he gave it to you, as the ideal of how to pray. So I want to go through this. So if we could read it all together, you know, at 11 o'clock, because we have energy, so let's do this. So start off. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now listen to the thing. I look at that set of verses. I look at this prayer that Jesus gave us, and this is what I'm getting from it. I'm not getting that this is a prayer for, for the timid or the scared. Like th This isn't a prayer for me for people that want to uh, uh, protect the world and keep it just the way that it is. Like Keep it safe, you know, keep it secure, keep it unchanging. Like This is not a prayer for me uh, for someone who says, I like everything kind of the way it is. Like I love church on Sundays, and, and I love summer Tuesdays, and I love camp, and I love small groups, but you know, let's, just, let's just stick to those things. But let's not uh, get too crazy here with what God's doing in the world. You know, let's not get too crazy on my campus. Like, I kind of want to like, keep my campus separate. Like, let's not get too crazy at home. You know, I don't, maybe, you know, my parents are Christians. Maybe they're not. But, you know, I don't want to talk about God too much at home. Like, let, let's just, this will be the prayer of the sustaining prayer. This will be the prayer of, of, of kind of like uh, of the way it, it always should be. I don't look at it that way. Man, I look at this prayer, and to me, this is a prayer of absolute revolution. Like, this is a prayer, Jesus says, when you pray this, this is a world-changing prayer. And it's not a prayer just for your parents. It's not a prayer for HSM. It's not a prayer for the elderly. And, like, once you get to be 70, you can pray this rebellious prayer. No, no, no. This is a prayer for you, and it's a prayer for me. Like, it's a prayer that says, I see everything around the world, like the brokenness that's taking place in the world. I see all that. And instead of just saying, oh, okay, like, I'm, I'm good with the way it is, like, we're actually going to do something different. Like, we're actually going to pray for some outside-the-box things, like some different things. You know, I was, I was watching the Olympics with my girlfriend, and I was thinking, because I'm a child at, at heart, and I'm thinking, what 
it, wouldn't it be cool to have like different kinds of Olympic sports? So I started brainstorming like different sports. I think it would be cool to have a sport to see how many times uh, you could jump rope like in consistently just jump roping. It would be like the jump roping competition. I wouldn't win that. But, but maybe we could do like a donut eating competition, which I think I'd place like maybe not top two, but I think I'd get a bronze in donut eating. And do you have any good ideas for like just crazy Olympic sports? Like if you could design your own Olympic sport, what would it be? Anyone have any ideas? Young lady. Walking on their hands underwater. Yes. That to me is a perfect Olympic sport. That definitely needs to be included. Give me one. Sitting down at a college all day and doing nothing. You would get a gold medal. Go ahead. Pogo stick obstacle course. That is very creative. I'm very happy you brought that up. Go ahead. Holding your breath, Olympic sport. That would be so cool. And you could hold it like underwater. Maybe you could hold it up high. It would be like a triathlon of holding your breath. See, I'd be like, Elliot, unicorn riding. Oh, man. Everyone knows there's unicorns in Transylvania. So that would be awesome. Listen, I started thinking of these different things. Oh, hands down. I started thinking of these different things. And this is the thing. I started thinking of this because I like being outside the box. Like, I like being like Jesus in this way. I like looking at things and, and not just saying, oh, let's just keep doing the way it's been. No, no, I like looking at things and saying, let's, let's do things differently. Let's look at maybe a new way or a new promise or a new way of doing things. And then let's embrace that. Not get scared of it and run away from it, but embrace it. You know, there's a story in, uh, in the uh, book of Exodus in the Old Testament. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. Basically what's happening here, there was, there was a guy, his name was Joseph. And he was sold into slavery by his brothers. His brothers weren't a big fan of Joseph. Now, Joseph was the son of this guy named Jacob. Now, God made a lot of promises to, to the bloodline of, of Jacob. Uh, there was Abraham, then there was his son Isaac, and then there was Jacob. And Jacob had a son named Joseph. Now, he was sold into slavery and eventually found himself in Egypt. Now, listen, I have a sibling. I have a sister. She would have sold me for a pack of gum. I mean, she would have had no problem getting rid of me because I was the annoying old, you know, younger brothers. Anyone have an older sibling or a younger sibling that they're like, either my older sibling would definitely sell me or if I could sell my younger sibling, I totally would. What would you sell, young lady right here, what would you sell your younger sibling for? What would be an asking price? If we were to put your sibling on eBay, what would you be willing to take? $1,000? You would trade him for $1,000? Oh, my gosh. Young lady in the uh, peach dress. $80.99. You thought about this. That scares me. Go ahead. You would pay them money to take them off. Okay. So this is the thing. These, these siblings, they wanted to get rid of Joseph. And they did. They sent him to Egypt. Now, God was with Joseph. And I know it might be hard to think that. But it was a hard time for Joseph. But God was with him. And this whole time, God is blessing him over and over again. And eventually, Joseph finds himself second in command next to the Pharaoh in Egypt. I mean, it's totally crazy how God's blessed this guy. So we find ourselves here that he is now second in command. He's invited all of his siblings and his father, Jacob, to come and live there with them in Egypt. But there's a problem with the next pharaoh, the next pharaoh in line. See, he sees all these Jews that are living in his land, and he looks at them as a threat. That, that if these guys wanted to rebel against him as pharaoh, they wouldn't be able to hold them back. So they decide to enslave them all. Now, they're living there in slavery for many, many years. And now we pick up the story there with a guy named Moses, and God's talking to him. In Exodus chapter 6, he says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. 
I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will now know, or now, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you uh, out of, under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to a land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Now, this is the thing. This is the thing. So God's making this promise. He's, he's telling Moses, go tell the people this, that I'm going to free them. It's going to be fine. They're going to come out of Egypt. They're going to get a land that I promised them, so I'm going to make good on my word. Now, this is what happens. As this is happening, as this complete, complete change is taking place for these Jews, this is what's happening. They're leaving, and they're walking, and they find themselves tired from all the walking, which I hate to walk. I'm not a walker, okay? Uh, they find themselves very hungry, which I felt very hungry. I'm very hungry right now. And they, they found themselves actually wishing they could go back to Egypt and be slaves. They were saying to one another, it'd be better for us to go be slaves again. At least we would have food to eat. At least we would have a roof over our head. Now, they were so distracted by the, the moment that they were missing out on what God was doing. See, it, it may not have looked to them like they were given what they were promised. See, because they were walking to the promised land, they were waiting to get there. It was a long road, but, but God promised them liberation. He promised them freedom, and that's exactly what they got. It just, it wasn't what they expected. They, they had this idea in mind that they were going to leave Egypt and then immediately enter this new land. Immediately. Now, through some of their own bad choices, they had to wait like 40 years to get there. And they, so they started questioning God and, and wishing they were back in, under Egyptian rule and wishing they were slaves again. Because they were so bent on the idea that one day it's going to look like this, and the next day it's going to look totally different. Like, th they thought the change was going to look like this, but it wasn't. It was actually this, this slow fade that was taking place. See, through this whole time that Jesus was here on earth, he, he taught a lot about loving one another. He taught a lot about this prayer and what it meant to just pray revolutionary things, to look toward what God is going to do and wants to do. But the problem was that people were still missing it. See, even after Jesus died and rose again three days later, in the book of Acts in chapter 1, I'm going to throw it up there on the screen, they, even after all this, they still didn't understand. These disciples still didn't understand what God was doing. Just like the Egyptians, or just like the Jews, I mean, in Egypt. They still were not understanding what God was doing. See, they, they said in verse 6, they were looking at Jesus and they said, Jesus, is, is now the time for you to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, is now the time that we've been waiting for? Is the moment happening now that we are going to flip the page and have a whole new world? Is today the day? Is now the moment? See, because that's the way they were thinking. And that's the way we tend to think sometimes. We think everything looks like A, and then in a moment, it will look like B. Everything will be one way at school or in our families, and then we're just going to pray, and then one day, everything will be changed. So Jesus was teaching these things, and they didn't get it. This is what, this is what Jesus said to them after they asked that question. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said that, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid, them, hid him from their sight. 
So this thing, this was very shocking to them. Because this is not the answer that they expected. The whole time Jesus was there, he talked about this. Like, he wasn't quiet about what he was planning. He shared it with them often. But they still, they still weren't getting it. See, because they viewed Jesus as this, this Messiah who's going to come and change everything. But Jesus was saying, listen, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that's just going to come and change anything. But, but what I am coming to do is going to be changing. What I am coming to do is going to be revolutionary. Because I'm setting up this kingdom here on earth. This kingdom that you can all be a part of. But it, it's not to just leave to its own. It's actually for you to be involved in. Like, it's a change that's taking place. See, the change was happening to where their responsibility now was to go and tell others. Like, they were in this crossfade to what God had done and to what he was going to do. And for some of us, we feel like we've missed it. For some of us, we hear this about this revolution God is doing, and we sit here and we think, we've missed it. Like, when did it happen, and where was I when it occurred? Like, and then we, we start to think, well, if I missed it, am I, do I have an opportunity to be a part of it? And if, if this Lord's Prayer is exactly what I'm saying it is, if I'm telling you the truth, that this Lord's Prayer is not this prayer of sustaining the world the way it is, but actually a revolutionary prayer to change the world, and to change and to be a part of the ongoing story and the ongoing revolution of what God is doing. If, it, if the, when we pray, your kingdom come, is it, is it actually a prayer that is meaningful now? Like, do those words carry weight the way it did when Jesus spoke them to his disciples? Does it, is there still a kingdom ongoing right now to be a part of? Man, if I'm telling you the truth, if I'm, if, I, if, I, if I'm telling you that this prayer is actually a revolutionary prayer, some of you will feel called to action. There's some of you who will sit there and hear this, and hear that this ongoing story, this ongoing revolution that God is doing, and you're going to say that I want to be a part of that. I don't, I don't want to pray this comfortable, quiet, you know, you know, you know safe prayer, but I actually, I actually want to pray a prayer that's going to be life-changing for people. Like, like, I've experienced God in my own life, and I want others to experience God too. Like, I've experienced what he's done in me, and I want to be able to pray a prayer. I want to be part of a kingdom that's focused is sharing that with others. Like, I want to be part of the revolution. But we get in this crossfade. See, and this is where the choice happens. Like, this, this new change that's taken place, and we have this choice. And this is what was happening for, for the Jews and for the disciples, because they weren't understanding what was happening. See, they thought one day it was going to look like this, and the next day it was going to be totally different. See, I, I remember, uh, uh, did anyone go to dances? You guys have dances at your school? Because I did when I was in school. Yeah, dance is the best. You get dressed up, right? Who, like, dresses up? Like, does anyone know the kid in school who dresses up way too much for, like, dances? That guy's always the funniest guy. And that wasn't me. That wasn't me, okay? I didn't dress up too much, but I, I had a nice tie on. Now, I remember when I was uh, a freshman in high school, I went to this dance. It was like a, a Sadie Hawkins dance, like, you know, where the girls ask the guys, you know? Anyone know that dance? Yeah, it's pretty good, right? And all the guys are just waiting to get asked, and all the girls are just, you know, giving them a hard time and making them wait and sweat it out. So I went to this dance, and I, I, uh, I'm going to be honest. 
no one asked me, so I went alone. I went with some of my buddies. I know, it's very sad. I know, it's okay. But when I was a freshman, keep in mind that uh, I had blonde hair. I was very dorky. Uh, I was very short. Like, I, I was just, uh, you know, and when I say blonde hair, I mean I had dark brown hair that I bleached blonde. So I looked, like, super weird. And, and that was just, that was my own struggle of just being a dork, okay? And this is the thing. I went to this dance, but there was this girl that I had a, that I had a real big crush on. And she was a senior. I was a freshman. She was a senior. And we were in chorus together. And unlike me, she was actually a really good singer. I was a terrible singer. And that was just, that's my own thing, okay? I was a terrible singer. I still am. My mom, though, thinks I'm actually a really good singer. It's very, it's very odd. Do you want to know why she thinks I'm a good singer? I'll tell you why. Because when I was, uh, when I was in seventh grade, okay, I had a solo to the Saints Come Marching In when I was in seventh grade, and I'm 27 now, and she still thinks I'm a good singer. And when I ask her, why do you think I'm a good singer, Mom? You had that solo when you were in school. You were a great singer. It's like, Mom, that's before I hit puberty. Like, I, I sound totally different now. Like, I'm not a good singer, but whatever. There was this dance, okay? This is so good. I had a crush on this girl, like most boys who have crushes. All right, I know every boy in this room has a crush on somebody. Uh, girls, One Direction. See? Exactly. So I had this crush on this girl, and she was there at the dance, okay, and th she, she was just super cool. And I actually, I had a lot of guts, even though I was kind of dorky, I wasn't shy. So I went up to her, and I was like, hey, I was like, hey, you know, can we, can we dance? Can we have a dance? And it was a slow dance, okay? So we're there, and we're slow, and I'm a freshman, and she's a senior, and, and it was like, it was the best ever. And we're dancing together, and it's a slow dance. Now, there's the thing. There was part of me, and she was blonde, by the way. My girlfriend's blonde now, so there you can see a pattern. So this is the thing. This is the thing. I didn't want that dance to end. Like, in my freshman life, uh, I could have danced forever. I could have I just stood there and danced. The song was Amazed by Lone Star. Most of the students don't know that song, but I'm sure some of the adults do. All right, and I could have danced that song forever. Now, this is the thing. The song changed, okay? The song's over, and then this fast-paced, you know, upbeat song comes on. But I'm in this place to where I'd so much rather just keep slow dancing. And there's this tension, this crossfade of, like, this old song to this new song, and I'm kind of torn between, because I would have kept slow dancing with this girl if I could have. This is the thing. I obviously had to stop dancing with her, because it was getting kind of awkward, it was getting kind of weird, and everyone was kind of looking at me and making fun of me, which I was used to, but it still hurt my feelings. This is the thing. We find ourselves there spiritually a lot. The disciples, they found themselves there spiritually. They find themselves there because they have this one idea, this one song's playing of the Messiah coming, and they think it's going to change everything, it's going to change the world, and it's going to look one way one day, it's going to look different the next. But he comes, and he's developed this kingdom, this kingdom that on earth that we can be a part of. And that is the change to what he's doing. It's an ongoing revolution. This prayer is an ongoing revolution prayer. But we get stuck there in the middle. Because some of us feel very comfortable with the way things were. And, you know, what Christianity looked like before. And what God was doing before. But then this idea that he's calling us to something brand new and incredible, it's hard for us. It's hard for us to see ourselves playing a part in this ongoing story. And we get caught in this crossfade. Now listen, this is a story, students. I really, really believe that what God is doing is a revolution. What God is doing in through this prayer and in through every one of you. And, and there's some of you who may be sitting there and being like, man, I really want to be a part of this, but I'm nervous about what, it, what my life could look like, what God could be calling me to if you're telling me the truth. And for some of us, it's like, I, I, I was so comfortable here. The idea of leaving this safe, comfortable space scares me. Well, this is what I want to do. I'm going to invite Justin back up, and he's going to play a song while, while we do something different, okay? And we've been on this prayer theme the whole month or this whole series. And we have a couple of prayer stations set up here, and I want to walk you through them real quick. 
And I want to give you this opportunity to, to just do a couple things. Now, if you hear this, and you hear this prayer, and hear my words, and you're thinking, God's talking to me. God's talking to me about being part of this ongoing revolution that he's doing. That a change is taking place, and I have a choice to make. Uh, this slow fade, I have a choice to make of either being a part of what this idea of what I want church to be, or, or I can actually be part of what he's doing. If, if that's you, and you want to pray for what God could be doing in your life, the prayer wall is definitely for you. Just go over there, write down a prayer, roll it up and put it in the wall, and leave it. You don't have to put your name on it, you don't have to, we're not going to track you down, but we're going to pray for you, because I feel prayer works. Now, if there's something that's between you and God, like there's a struggle or, or, or something in your life that you just want to confess and just leave for Jesus to take care of, and you're willing to let go of it, there's a cross back there. There's, there's nothing miraculous about the cross that's sitting back there. It's a symbol for what Jesus did for us. And there's tacks and some papers. Write down a word. Write down, a pr write down anything. And you can tack it right there on the cross and leave it there for him to take care of. And, and pray for it. And look for God to make some changes. And then back here, we have a little note station. Now, the goal for this is to just write a note to yourself to maybe remind you of what you're thinking about right now, what God could be doing in you, what he could be working inside of you. And you know what? Seal it and put your name in your grade, and we're going to give it back to you when we're done with this series. And you can see what you wrote to yourself. And there's a bin you can just leave it in. I, I want to pray quick, and I want to give you a couple minutes to do that. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us with an opportunity to hear truth from your word. And Lord, you are calling us to something incredible, to a kingdom on earth that you are doing, this ongoing revolution that we can take part in. Lord, as we visit these stations, let it be a cry out to be part of what you're doing. Lord, use us. Let us be part of what you're doing. Let this prayer be a battle cry for us. Lord, thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Quietly, quietly now, just head to a station. Head to a station quietly. If you, if you don't want to, feel free to stay in your seats and just pray or think. But head to a station. I'm going to wrap it up in a couple minutes.
As you're wrapping up your stations, when you're done, you guys are dismissed. I'll be back here next week teaching again, and I look forward to seeing all of you. Have a great week, and uh, see you later.